FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat Re-Raceables podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for sharing it to uh, friends of yours. Great response for this uh, show on social media and on Twitter and all the social stuff. So really appreciate that. Uh, thanks to the folks at Liat. Of course, you've seen the uh, gear with the uh, uh, Motor Concepts guys, and uh, you've seen it with Solitaire guys. And they've got a lot going on at Liat.com and mountain bike protection, dirt bike protection, hard parts, uh, all that kind of stuff over at Liat.com. If you want a discount from the folks at Liat, just email us using the contact form on pulpmx.com. We will pass it on to the folks at Liat, and uh, we'll give you a Pulp MX Re-Raceables discount. Different people ride for different reasons, of course, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment. And this is what Liat offers as a brand. Protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, that, by the way, were helped develop by Chris Kiefer, neck braces, covering riders from head to toe in both moto and mountain. But what Liat really stands for is a promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you thought you could go. Visit them at liat.com. And uh, thanks to those guys. Some really cool-looking gear. They've made some huge strides in the last few years. Uh, I want to thank the folks at ProTaper as well. Scott Guts, Maxxis Tires. Love the guys at Maxxis Tires, MXSTs, developed by this, some guy named McGrath. He was in a few of these already. And uh, Alex Ray using uh, Maxxis Tires as well. Kay Clayson used them in main events last season. He had like a career year using Maxxis Tires. Mountain bike tires, truck tires, trailer tires. Maxxis.com for more information on that. Thank you to those guys. We'll tell you more about Guts, Scott, and ProTaper later on the Lee at Re-Raceables. This is 2002 Pontiac Supercross. A couple reasons we did this one, uh, but uh, uh, we'll tell you more about that. Let's welcome to the show Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Yeah. This is a good hey, one. We had an Atlanta uh, Supercross uh, with Jeff Ward uh, recently, 1990. That is my favorite race of all time. But there are some, Steve, maybe some younger than us that, you know, didn't get to see the Atlanta thing as it happened 32 years ago. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, some people like Anaheim, which is a couple of years before even that. There are some. Uh, our buddy Kellen Brower over at Racer X, he thinks, I think this is his favorite race ever. And there are many that will say that. This one is one of the all-timers. It's really good. And I knew it was kind of good just from being there uh, and watching yeah. it over the years. And I hadn't watched it for a long time. I went back to rewatch it for this podcast, and I was like, holy crap. Like, yeah, six guys in the same straightaway, mistakes everywhere. Um, yeah, very good race. Yeah, it's same thing that was different for me when I went back and watched it. I remember it being the race that multiple guys led, and then they would all crash it away. But what I didn't remember was how close the pack was yeah, like six guys in the same straightaway stuff. I didn't remember that. I remember more like this guy led for five laps, fell. This guy led for five <laughs> laps. But they were freaking battling uh, Ernie and Lusk, for example. I mean, they were going at it, and then everyone was behind them trying to figure out, well, can I get around them while they're going at it with each other? It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
Right off the top, like Tim. Oh, you're Fair. going here. You're well, going here right I gotta now. go right off the top. Uh, Nathan Ramsey wins this. It's his only 450 Supercross win, and he's gonna join us. Okay, that's fine. Nate's good. Nate's cool. All right, but this is probably the closest that Tim Ferry ever came to winning a 450 Supercross. He is on that list of guys. Uh, I think he has. I want to say 13 or. 15 podiums, maybe more, without a win. Um, we did Atlanta 90, and we talked about Guy Cooper. Guy Cooper is the fastest rider to never win a 450 Supercross. I'm not disputing that. He led, he led a lot of races. Timmy didn't lead a lot of races. Because uh, he was in Carmichael's era, he was in McGrath's era, Chad Reed era, all that. However, Timmy also not the best starter, let's be honest. However, could a case be made that Timmy is the second best rider to never win a 450 Supercross? Yeah, I think you can. I think you can because um, it seems so hard to win one of these, but then you look at how many guys got one. It is crazy how many guys get one. Not two. But the difference between one and two <laughs> is massive. Yeah. This Nate Ramsey type win. Also, shout out to... Uh, Ernesto Fonseca, who did not get a win, but we'll never know, right? Unfortunately, it's so sad for Ernie. He didn't get the full length of his career because he crashed and was paralyzed. And that, who knows, he could have won one at some point. Um, but, I, you know, you watch this race and you're like, ah, that would have been awesome if Ernie got one. So he's on that list too. But, uh, yeah, I would put, honestly, when I think of the guys that didn't get one, the two names that always, to me, come to mind are Timmy and Guy Cooper. So, I don't know. There's probably someone else that gets screwed by not being on that list, but that's the way I feel. It's weird how Supercross works, right? Shorty gets his one. Uh, Ramsey, like here, gets his one. Doug Dubach gets his one. There's so many of those. Yeah. It's a short list for the race. And I would put uh, Lampson on that list, Ernie on that list. Um, you know? I agree, but Lammy, to be honest, man, 250 Supercross. He didn't have, to me, that many great rides. There was one race in Charlotte where he led down to the last lap or two. But to your point, that was like 10 races for Guy Cooper. Yeah. Like, how many yeah, podiums yeah. Does, does Lammy even have? I don't know, but I'm I, don't, I don't think it's that many. I don't think it's like Timmy level, like you're saying, like 13 yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I, actually, I'm doing Red Dogs. It looks like it was 16 podiums without uh, a win. 16. Dude, I don't think Lampson's even close. So Probably not, yeah. Um, yeah. We should actually. And Ernesto to me is a different category because we just don't know. I mean, Ernesto got hurt in 2006. He could have four or five more years in him. Maybe he gets one. You know, I I would put Michael Byrne somewhere on that list. Not better than Timmy, but Michael Byrne's another guy. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Red Dog is three laps away. This is 02. He's Factory Yamaha on the uh, four stroke. And um, he's first year Factory Yamaha. He took Jimmy Button's spot. And he's three laps away from winning it. He's got a lead. You know, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, it's kind of a dorky crash. It really is. It pains me to say this. And I texted him about this race, and he said, it happens. <laughs> Timmy's not big to, uh, you know, you know him as well as I do. He's not a big look back guy. But uh, <laughs> I don't know him as well as I do, but I definitely know enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Timmy, he was probably disappointed at the time, but um, with 20 years behind it. 
Yeah. Some guys, it only gets worse. For him, it probably matters less and less. <laughs> right. But uh, so uh, – In his defense, though, he crashes in the whoops, and I'm sure – and Nate Dogg does explain this a little bit. I mean, Pontiac 2002, the track was probably complete crap by the 17th yeah, lap. Yeah, but his crash so – The whoops were probably nasty. His crash is dorky, and if there's one thing that we learned – it's that four strokes were really good in the whoops. They just chewed up dirt and pushed you forward, you know. Um, whoops were a strong point on a four stroke. There's just there, there's no excuse. It, You're not excusing it. I'm not. He had it. He had it. He was pulling away. He was pulling away. Yeah. He was. And what's funny about the pulling away is uh, he actually gets around uh, Ezra Lusk. And you know, by 2002, and we had Lusk on this show before talking about his Cowie years there. The bike was never what he was promised it was going to be. So it's a little apples to oranges. But, um, you know, Timmy and Ezra, like, they raced each other a trillion times in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, tr- so a trillion is probably. Well. They know where they stand again. Yeah, What's a, tr- that? a trillion is probably underestimating it, yeah. Underestimate, yes. Yeah. I mean, amateurs, one yes. from Florida, oh, one yes. from Georgia, the oh, same age. Yes. So it had to be one of those crazy moments. Like, let's be honest, Steve. I mean, Ezra in his peak was better at Supercross than Timmy. He won, what, 11 races? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, outdoors, I give the edge to Timmy, so it's 50-50. But for Timmy to have caught and passed Ezra on a night where Ezra's riding pretty good and then start getting away, I'm like, damn, Timmy's ripping right now. This is an easy yardstick to measure him against, and he is ripping. Yeah. All right, so this is the year... Carmichael comes out, crashes at Anaheim. Good one. Face plants himself. Uh, DNF. Villeman wins. Villeman's got a 25-point lead in the series, 26-point lead, something like that. Uh, He's absolutely cruising, and Ricky is uh, slowly chipping away at this thing. Villeman's really good this year. He's working with um, – I think Vermont is working – I think Vermont is with him at this point. And, uh, yeah, he's he's great. and this is uh, this is post shoulder injury, so DV misses Daytona. Ricky chips it big time into the lead, and I think it, does he have the points lead at this point, Ricky? It's close. Yeah, I want to get into this. Yeah. I want to get into okay. this. Okay. Look, first of all, my good buddy Jeff Emig says I'll take momentum over points all day long. It is true that Villeman had a points lead and he got robbed. We'll never know what happens with that injury, which we always like to mention is that a photo shoot for Transworld Motocross uh, while the points leader. So we'll never know. And he was riding off in that year. But for me, I've always been like, dude, if a guy's just winning like 10 races in a row, to just get second every week and just hold him off in points, it just rarely works that way. And I know it did work that way one time in 2003 where Chad won the last six races and Carmichael just got second every time. But again, I'll give you the 48 other years of Supercross history where it didn't work that way. So I'm always skeptical to be like, well, just do the math. I, I just feel like once Carmichael started winning every freaking race, that it was going to be really hard yeah, to he's hold got, him back. He's got a 24-point lead at this point in Pontiac. So. Right. So furthermore, then Villeman gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So now he's not the points leader by a pretty big amount, and he's injured, and Carmichael's rolling. To me, there was no championship suspense. Yet, yeah. they act like that on this show. And then Carmichael being as paranoid as he is, I remember him that night saying like, soon as I went down, I'm like, now it's definitely going down to Vegas. I'm like, oh, my God, this dude was worried about the title. He's made up 50 <laughs> points in, like, four weeks. And there's still he's four won, to go, right, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. won, like, what, nine out of the last ten races or something insane like that. I'm like, what? Is-? And if you watch the show, it's like all Art Evan wants to talk about is the points between DV and Carmichael. I'm like, 
Carmichael's more than 20 points ahead with four races to go, and DV's injured, and Carmichael hasn't been beat straight up in a race in like three months. Why is there – there's no drama here. <laughs> there's nothing nothing to talk about, Art. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was not – if they were two points apart, I get it, but almost a full race lead and Carmichael's the fastest guy and DV's hurt? Yeah, yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you're right. Focus uh, on, oh, my God, someone might win this. Not the points. The points, who cares about the points? It's irrelevant. Yeah. How about, oh, my God, Timmy might win. Oh, my God, Ezra might win. Oh, my God, Ernie might win. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're probably right. Yeah. Um, good, good race. This is a great race, as we said. And uh, Carmichael, uh, dude, his crash is pretty good. Like, lap three, it's a good one. Um, yep. You know, but, I, again, I've said this a few times on the show. There's so many times RC ate crap in practice or ate crap uh, during the race and would just get up. He was just Gumby. It was pretty pretty impressive of him all the time to be like that. He, yeah. he was really good that way. Um, yeah, he had a way of hitting the ground, and, like, it was a soft landing. I don't even understand how or what the physics are behind that. If it's – I mean, I literally heard people say back in the day, he's, he's shorter, so he's not falling as far to the ground. The limbs aren't as long, so they're not getting grabbed up. I don't know what it is, but you would see him hit the ground. And you're like, how did he hit the ground so softly? From that speed, it's like mind-boggling sometimes. Yeah, yeah th- this one, this one's a um, a good one and uh, great ride. It's a dragon's him. back, right? He yeah, dragon's, dragon's back. back. Yep, yep. Great ride for him to come all the way up to second and closing in oh, on Nate. Unbelievable. Um, where at, uh, were you at this race? Yes, yeah, in the press box, Racer X guys. Pontiac's always a drivable one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will mention to Nate Dog the famous Big Buck. I think is that what it's called? Yeah, something like that. Big Buck. Yeah. Yeah, Nate. <laughs> Good on him, focused, not familiar with Big Buck. The, yeah. What do you call it, like a sports bar, I guess? Uh, I don't know, know, but it was it's the not place. not an adult establishment. I'm no, 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 yeah. Restaurant, sla- restaurant with all these dead yeah. animals on the walls and, mm-hmm. and you know, bar. And it was the – everyone went there. Everyone. Yes. Yeah. Lots of good times at Big Buck across the street from the Silverdome. Silverdome, legendary race. So, yeah, drove there. That would have been my about a year full-time. Uh, living in Morgantown. So, uh, yeah, I remember it. We were always pulling for Jessamine because he was, like, local to the Morgantown area, and he wins the 125s, which we'll get to. So that was exciting. And then uh, I just remember us losing our minds in the press box. This is just incredible with, oh, my God, someone else might win, and then, you know, six, seven of them have a shot at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I was probably hungover as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You were you were yeah. Racer X guys. So, yeah. Yeah, with Fubar leading the way. Yeah, chances are. Mike Farber. Uh, <laughs> did you happen to notice the Nick Way, Steve Mathis super team winning the semi in front of our hometown fans, Nick Way? No. So, uh, give us your you, – you were there as well, clearly. Yeah, I was there. I was working for Moto Triple X. I was Nick Way's <laughs> mechanic, driving a box mm-hmm. fan around the series. Uh, Kyle Lewis and um, Larry Ward were on the team, but they were in a different truck. And just Nick and I were in our own box van driving around. Um, and uh, this is rookie year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Big bikes. Yep, yep. Rookie year in the big bikes. Uh, we were supposed Did to work. Hurt? Didn't he tear his ACL or something? Uh, outdoors. We missed three rounds of outdoors. Only three rounds. Yeah, he didn't. Tear, he didn't do ACL. He did meniscus or something. Um, oh, okay, okay. Top privateer this year, by the way. I have the. I'm looking at the check fake. Check on the wall. Nick has the real check. Wow. Uh, but I'm looking at the uh, $25,000 from Skull. Uh, so Nick had a good year. I think he got uh, ninth in the points or something, seventh. I don't know. Um, best the best finish of the year was the opening round in Anaheim. We got seventh with Max's tires on. And then uh, we did switch to Dunlops at some point. 
uh, this year. I drove a Bucks van, and uh, yeah, it was. So this was a big race for Nick. Uh, very stressful, right? Because hometown and all that, and family and friends, and Silverdome and and all of that. So I me- I remember being stressed out on this one. This is also the race. I'm pretty sure that uh, when Nick always took off for the, he was always last to the gate after the parade lap, right? Always last, and. Okay. So I kind of just knew that that's how it would go. So I had a lot of time to court, sort of pack his gate and do all of that. Uh, this was the race. I'm almost positive it was. It was the start goes widthways across the stadium. So when the riders were pulling in, you had to like move the rear end of the bikes over. It was super tight, right? Like coming back from parade lap because the wall of the stadium was right there. And so, anyways, Nick takes off of the parade lap. Larry Brooks is next to me or a couple over working for McGrath and offers me a cookie out of his pocket and I take it and it's a chocolate chip cookie and I'm eating the chocolate chip cookie packing the gate uh, and then Nick for some reason this was one of the only races that he came back right away and I'm, <laughs> and I'm eating a cookie he's like are you eating a fucking cookie <laughs> I'm like yeah and, 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 and then I had to put the cookie in my mouth and grab his bike and like move it over straight right because he couldn't make the turn from the stadium wall to the gate and I, I got the cookie, and then and then as I was cooking, as I was holding it, it broke and it fell on his bike, and he was freaking out, and a little bit of a yeah. I don't know why you just you know you remember these random things, right? Random things from random years, yeah. and that is one of them. Eating the cookie, Pontiac O2, Nick going, "Are you eating a fucking cookie?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Brooks gave it to me." Blah blah blah. What are you doing back so quick? So this is high pressure, as you said, for him. And uh, you are eating a cookie. Yeah. The gate. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know how important every detail was going to be. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I, I just, just, I can close my eyes and picture it like it was yesterday, right? Just, yeah. Um, funny that Look, way. you are well established now, but what did Nick think working with this young Canadian mechanic? Yeah, was, you know, was, we was didn't. Was he a fan of your work? Well, I worked for Kelly Smith the last two years, so I kind of got to know him, just Michigan stuff, right? Oh, um, uh, okay. Um, but he, Nick is very, as you know, um, you know, very anal, very, uh, uh, he runs a tight program, and I may run a right. bit of a so the loose. Cookie is not fitting. Okay. Yeah, I, I run a bit of a loose program. Uh, uh, so we mm-hmm. didn't always like like. Here's an example. It's like so, you know, started working for Nick, and I don't want to get away from Nate Ramsey and Pontiac and all this, but here's an example of where, where like I know that a 16 ounce bottle of Maxima two stroke oil to four gallons of gas is 32 to one. I just know that, right? And Nick is like. Use a ratio right. And I'm like, I don't have to use a ratio right. I just know that this is four gallons to this 16 ounces is 32 to 1. I believe the math is right. Somebody can double check it. But And Nick would be like, well, just put it in the ratio right. And I'm like, <laughs> no. Like, no. I know what this is. I don't need the, the ratio right. It'll tell you the mixture on the side, right? Like, it'll tell you 32 to 1, pour oil here, right? Mm-hmm. And anyway, so he, you know, things like that got him a little out of sort. And then... Me being like, ah, I'll eat a cookie. Ah, I'm pouring the 16-ounce bottle in. Yes. Right. So, yeah, we didn't always gel. But, you know, great friends to, even to this day. Uh, he, he got mad I wouldn't use a scrub brush on his spokes. You know, he's like, this is how you wash a bike. You get a scrub brush and you do all the spokes. I'm like, yeah, dude, I just spray the wheel with, with, with cleaner and just use a pressure washer. Like, I don't scrub the spokes. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> you were ahead of your time in the vlogosphere. <laughs> if we could have had OCD Nick Way and his young Canadian, I'll, I'll just go with that mechanic yeah. running the loose program and just driving him nuts. 
Right. Be. Yeah. You yeah. would have had a YouTube series. No, for sure. Right. Yeah. We would, we would have done vlogging. So, anyways, uh, Nick Way won the semi this night. Mm-hmm. Our, our winner, Nate Ramsey, had to go to the LCQ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, which, which again, we all talk about Bradshaw won Anaheim from the LCQ. Now, Bradshaw pulled the start from the outside, wet Mach 4 around the berm. Nate doesn't quite do that, but Nate does pull a good start from an outside gate on the width wise of, of a short start straight. So, good job for, for Nate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I didn't remember that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Um, so I, you know, it's just everything came together when you watch this race and everybody's crashing. We'll let Nate explain it himself. I still feel like a part of the thing was that everyone was under so much pressure to actually freaking win. So they cracked. I, I feel like that. I don't think it's a coincidence that these dudes were all crashing. I'm sure the track was gnarly. Yeah. But. I feel like you could maybe say that he was the one that rode best under the pressure of, oh, my God, this would be my one chance to win one of these because Carmichael crashed. Yep. And everybody else got nervous. Yep. Uh, yeah, Ernie leads. Uh, Yogi's right there. DV goes down trying to force it. Tortelli goes down. Um, you know, um, yeah, all this kind of stuff. Yogi goes down. Nate goes down. Nate tips over at one point. McGrath yeah. in the mix. Um, you know, so – yeah, just go watch, rewatch this race. Um, Art Ekman's calling it David Bailey. I think Bailey's really good in this race. He he yeah. calls out Tortelli going down. He calls out that triple triple um, thing uh, before the turn. He he's real. I think David Bailey's really good in this race. Yes, and uh, you guys know, listen to this show. I'm usually pretty harsh on Art Ekman, so I'm going to do it here again. Thank God Bailey is because he bails Ekman out a lot. Um, I don't know how. Art wasn't calling the Carmichael crash or many other things uh, that were happening. I feel like it was Bailey at the one-man show, and then occasionally he gets some assistance from a pit reporter named Davey Coombs, who was the first to pick up on the fact that Carmichael, yes. who I guess was 17th after the crash, is starting to catch the leaders. Yeah, uh, D- Davey. So good job by Davey on that. Yeah, Davey said uh, at one point, so, Davey, Davey says, Ricky's a second and a half better than everybody, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just insane to think about racing back then. I was just I was at Club MX um, yesterday, actually, we were talking to Nate Dogg, and then I was talking to some of the other guys there, too, and we're like, man, what is it? The, Carmichael's own theory is that the training facilities have tightened the pack, right, because everybody has good coaching and training from a younger age, which may, leads to more, like, uniformity with how everyone rides which and I, everybody's closer in speed. I subscribe to that theory. I think it's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But I also think two strokes are a part of it, right? Two strokes are harder to ride. So is I would lead to think it's more separation, a more skilled, better, talented, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, rider, mm-hmm. has a bigger advantage. Um, so maybe it's some combination of those two things. It is shocking to think back to these days. These are not that long ago, but this is 20 years ago. The level of dominance. Like, if, if Eli Tomac goes down now, the riders aren't losing their mind because they're like, oh, my God, this would be the one chance I ever have to win a race this year because this one guy probably isn't ever going to lose. It's insane what it was like back then. And then the fact that he could crash, go down, be last, and then, damn it all, he still almost won it. Yeah, we went through an era with Jeremy and then Ricky that was, wow. <laughs> yeah. Something it's else. Just, it's, yep. Yes, it's nothing – Nothing like shout out to all the today's good riders. They're amazing. But the level of dominance is not like this, where it took him crashing hard and being 17th to barely not win. 
So you're at this race. Davey is obviously the editor of Racer X Online. Are you hanging with him like at during the day when he's ESPN guy? Like, are you just like, because he's got meetings, obviously, and you know what those are like nowadays because you're that guy. But are you hanging out with Davey during the day? Uh, not during the day. However, however, uh, this is ESPN. And I'm not sure what ESPN's involvement with the series was, but I did know that like their pay and travel budget did come from ESPN. So Davey would get these palatial hotels oh, yeah? downtown. <laughs> yeah. And then completely ruin the concept of, hey, you know, you're a television talent. You need to have a good, comfortable place to stay by having like nine of us crash in the room. It was <laughs> a complete disaster. Like complete everything that ESPN, I'm sure, was trying to accomplish just thrown out the window by like, yep, thanks for the awesome room, and uh, I'm going to be having nine guys in a van drive up here, and uh, they'll be partying all night in my room. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, fantastic. That's, that's what was going down at Pontiac 02. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just didn't know like, how, how busy Davey was. I, I, I know he would come, because I was, again, a mechanic in these days. He would come around and talk to people, and he'd be around, but I didn't know, like, yeah, this is almost like the inmates at, in Morgantown got loose and went to Pontiac, you know? Yeah, I always remember, um, even before I worked there, I will give, this always sticks with me, these weird things that you remember, like you're saying with Nick Way and the cookie. Uh, I remember going to High Point back in the 90s, long before I worked there, and seeing Davey after the Nationals, so he's pit reporter for TV, right? Mm -hmm. And he's over at the Race Rex booth, and the RM125 that he rode for the helmet cam Mm -hmm. is leaning up against the Race Rex booth, and he's hanging out with Julie Kramer and Brian Staley and all the original Race Rex people. At the booth, and I'm like, hey, that's really cool. Like, he knows all these people. He knows all the riders. His parents are on the track. He's ESPN pit reporter. But at the end of the day, he just goes over to his race wreck buddies and hangs out. Um, and that was very much the way it was. Like, yes, it was like, wait, Davey's got to go leave and do his ESPN job, but he'll be back to hang out with us just like anybody else <laughs> right. as soon as it's over. Yeah, yeah, and maybe sell your yeah. subscription if you need it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He was still just right. hanging out with his guys at his company through and through. It wasn't like uh, – it wasn't at all like, oh, I don't know, we don't see Davey all weekend. It was never like that. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yep. good, good, to, good to know. A couple things yeah. that caught my eye, too. Davey, Davey saying, picking up on Ricky right away, uh, that definitely caught my eye. Uh, also, I guarantee you, well, I don't guarantee you, but I'm pretty sure watching Yogi, he, did this tri- he does this triple-triple thing coming into a turn. Knowing Yogi, he didn't do it all day long and then just decided to pull it in the main event. I could, that is such a Yogi thing to do. Uh, he, he starts doing his triple, triple, yep. uh, and it's really good. And it's not easy. Yeah, it's it not like easy. Full seat bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and impressive because Yogi would just do things like that. Like he not scared to send it. Um, at some point in the middle of the action, like <laughs> great race in the. I don't know who's leading or what's going on, but there's a lot of shit going on. And Arcos, for all you Provolni fans, your rider is off the track. <laughs> great, thanks, Art. That's awesome. We don't, we don't see it. We have no idea, but Art's keeping us informed. For all you Pavoni fans out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For- we know some of you tuned in for this, <laughs> and some of you tuned in for that. We're just right. helping you out. Pavoni Army, your rider is off the track. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that was so random. I, I, <laughs> so, I don't know. It always felt like the, everything Art was throwing out stats, and I'm like, this doesn't really apply. Right. Uh, at this time. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, when Carmichael goes down, all he wants to talk about is where is Villeman and how does this affect the points. Right. And I'm yep. like, yep. Villeman's in, like, sixth. He's not killing it. Like, let's 
Well, I just want to say and and Lusk are battling like crazy for the lead. Why don't we talk about this? Villeman could have won this thing. Um, he was on it and he forced it to try to get by Yogi and Ernie, but he was yeah. he was pretty good. He, he once he went down, mm-hmm. he you know he couldn't do it. But I think in another world, Villeman makes the passes and wins this race if he just waits a little bit because he had no chance of making that before the bridge. He had no chance Ooh, of making he, that. Pass. He was ahead of Timmy at the time. Oh, yes, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah, anyways, yeah, but true. I I, yep. I sent a text to him too. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, you, you looked good. You probably could have won it. I don't know why you tried that move. And he said, impatient and shrugging emoji. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I get from these guys. You love how these guys remember this stuff, though. No, totally right. Um, yeah. I want to thank the fuck guys at Scott Sports. Uh, they've been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years. They're back with us for 2023. The Scott guys... Uh, Guys like Anderson, Pro Circuit, Caleb Russell, Chad Ween, and Rocker Fowler choose the quality product and support from Scott. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggle. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Thank you to those guys. Uh, Scott Prospect Goggle. It's really, really good. Uh, so thank you to guys at Scott, uh, of course, for coming on board. Uh, Pro Taper as well, whether it's Rockstar Energy Husqvarna or Star Racing Yamaha. ProTaper.com for more information on the bars that they have. They have that new ACF bar, and they have the uh, Fusion bar as well. A lot of good things cooking at ProTaper. ProTaper.com, chains, sprockets, and the like, of course. Uh, Pontiac 2002. Uh, we have the categories coming up for Liat as well. Uh, 125s we each. 125s. Another like sort of big night for, for the for the sport. Yeah, so Chad Reed is a dominant factor in uh, 125 East. Although getting some shade, what was your experience? I mean, were you hearing people be like, it's ridiculous, he's on a 250 in the 125 class. Do you remember that? No, no, I don't think we knew no, that. No, oh. we I don't think we knew that. I don't think we thought that these bikes were that good. Look, Chad, this is his first year in America. Chad raced the 250 class on the West Coast and was like a top five guy. So... Yeah. You know, I think all of us were like, oh, this dude's good, right? So I don't remember yeah. any of that that at that time. Oh, okay. You know where it might have been coming from? You know, Ping was with us at Racer X at that time. And I think Ping literally wrote that. Because Chad kept saying, like, I don't care about winning in this 125 class. My goal is to win in yeah. the 250 class. Yeah. In typical, very confident Chad Reed style. And I will always give credit because knowing how dominant Carmichael was, for a guy to say – I want to win in the 250 class back then was like, are you freaking insane? Why would you even pick that fight? That If you're going to win, that means you have to beat Carmichael. And damn it all, a year later, that's exactly what Chad Reed is doing. Yep. So that's just one of the all-time things that he backed up his words. Anyway, when he was diminishing his own accomplishments winning in this class, I remember Pingree writing, don't complain about not being in the 250 class because guess what? You're on a 250 and you're beating 125. <laughs> That probably went over well. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure Chad hated it. But, I mean, Pinkery was one of these dudes on a 125 outgunned. Yeah. So I think if he were in the trenches of their pits, they probably thought this is ridiculous, this bike. Um, so there was a little bit of that, I think, going on. I guess you weren't hearing that, but I was. No, yeah. But Chad was dominant and he yeah. won every race until this point, right? He did. He had won every race. And uh, yeah. I was. we were able to ride the Yamaha track uh, before the season, so Chad was there, right? Um, and I just remember, like, he was on a two-stroke then getting ready for Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And he was good, and and you know we were like, oh well, this this guy's really good. Like, so I don't know. I I, I get obviously looking back, the the, the two fifty four strokes were a big help, but in my eyes, I'm like, this guy's way awesome. So yeah, he's gonna smoke these dudes. Kind of how I. Feel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, look at now. You look back, Chad Reed's one of the greatest riders ever. 
This is not the bike. Yeah. It's Chad Reed. He's just an incredible supercross rider yeah. on any bike. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, so Brandon uh, Jessamine, though, a guy who I heard speak maybe three times uh, outside of podium <laughs> appearances, uh, wins his first race and breaks the streak. Yeah, this is a big deal, again, for us Morgantown folks. He was local, Pittsburgh area, and David was always like, man, if this dude could just not get hurt, I swear he could win races. And then he does it, and then he wraps that all the way into winning the title the next year. Um, so it was impressive. But unfortunately, that if he could just not get hurt really became the entire story of Brandon mm-hmm. Jessamine's career. I really think the only two series he wasn't hurt for was this year and the next Right, and he got a race win and a title in those two years. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think Chad was just catching him the whole time, and he just couldn't get yep. there. Yeah, I believe so. Right, uh, yeah. reading the cycle news and everything else. Uh, Fly Racing is yeah. Brandon Jessman too, by the way. Early Fly Racing guy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but in classic Jessman fashion, he wins the title the next year, and then gets hurt in I think practice at Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And doesn't even get to ride with the number one plate. It was like. Once the spotlight was going to be there, he, he wasn't going to be there. Uh, a guy named Barry Karsten snuck into the main event, third in the LCQ, along with our buddy Randy Valade. There was no sneaking, Steve. <laughs> he knew exactly okay. what he was doing. Okay. okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yep. You want to talk to Nate Dog? Yes. All right. Let's do it. All right. Leah Re-Raceables. Here's uh, the winner of the 450 Supercross that night, uh, Nathan Ramsey. And now, like we were talking about earlier, a gentleman who uh, won his very first uh, 450 Supercross main event is only one, as a matter of fact, for Factory Honda back in 02. What a race this was. And uh, we got the winner on the line, Nathan Ramsey. What's up, Nate Dog? How are you, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I don't appreciate you saying my only one, though. You, you could have left that part out. <laughs> Listen, you've got about thirty two fifty Supercross ones, so you're you're fine. Um, yeah. Where Where's the trophy? Is the trophy still around? Is it on the mantle? Where Where do you have this thing? Oh yeah, I kept it. I, I have a a loft area mm-hmm. in my house that I kind of got to be somewhat in charge of. So my my stuff is up there. My wife allows me to display some things. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, thanks for doing the Lee Reraceables. One thing before we, I've, when's the last time you watched this race, Nate? Did you show your kids it, or have you shown any of your rider? Like, when's the last time you sat down and watched this thing? You know, it's it's been a long time. So no, I haven't. I haven't. I, I don't think my kids have seen it. Maybe. I mean, we did a little. They they did a little preseason um, a few years back. Uh, remember a big intro? It was a preseason before Supercross, and mm-hmm. that was one of the events that they showed and they got me on there talking. So um, I'm always happy to talk about that race. That's for sure. Well, one, like even if you say you didn't win this race and you just made the podium or whatever, this is a hell of a race. This is a really, really good main event. I went back and watched it and I, I I was there in the mechanics area working for Nick way uh, this year, Uh, won the semi by the way. Um, But Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, this is a great race. It was. It was one of those ones, uh, and I've said this before, but it was like when when Ricky looped out off that dragon's back, all of a sudden everybody's eyes got really big. (laughs) All right, here's our shot. Let's go. (laughs) So everybody was kind of sending it from that point, and then it was like no one could, you know, keep a hold of it, basically, for for that first first place spot. Yep. Well, I've always wondered that. How much was that pressure, you think, on other guys? Was that pressure? 
You know, I, I don't think it was pressure. I, I think it was more of like, all right, it's, it sucks to say, but, you know, when he was kind of what we, you know, everyone believed out of the mix, um, I think it was like pressure's off. Like, we, we let's just go now. We don't, we don't have to play second fiddle, you know. Um, so I, I think it just sort of woke everybody up. Honestly, I mean, I see what you're saying about pressure because, like, now you can win. You should you should take advantage of this moment. So may, maybe, I mean, maybe some guys felt that way, but I I didn't feel that way. And in the moment, I was like, "All right, this this is an opportunity that doesn't present itself very often." So let's let's go. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really really great race. Um, so did you? Okay, what'd you do that night after you won? Where'd you go? How'd you celebrate? How was it? Oh man! Oh, now you're testing my memory. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah, that's tough. You know, I, I I rode for HJC for for a while. So um, anyway, I I I, re- I remember my wife wasn't there, so I called her from the podium, and of course she was. Oh my gosh! You know, the one race that she didn't go to that I won. Um, but I honestly, I think we probably just went out to dinner, and I typically had like a cheap night or cheap day the next day after uh, races. So I probably had some big gnarly dessert or something <laughs> but we we didn't get too too out of hand that i can remember okay so, all right well um, the statute of limitations is gone so if you did you can tell us i'll be like oh yeah you know yeah, warty no. warty went to a strip club after 90 atlanta you know so, uh, yeah, yeah yeah i definitely i didn't do that but i mean i honestly i don't even remember having drinks so <laughs> who knows i was pretty well, i was pretty straight edge back then remember nate there was the uh Across from the Silver Dome, where everyone stayed, or right by the Silver Dome, there was that big buck lodge bar restaurant thing. We all ended up back there at some point. Do you remember that thing? I don't know if it was this yeah, year. But, yeah, I do remember that place, but I, I don't believe I went there that night. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, I hey, wish I had something cool to tell you, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. One thing we mentioned off the top here was you had to go to the LCQ this race, right. and this was a yep. start straight that was width-wise of the stadium. And, dude, the first time I saw you, you're like seventh or eighth. So good start. Really good start from that gate spot uh, on with that short start straight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's another thing for me. Like, when you're in that position and, you know, a lot of expectations and you end up in the LCQ and you survive it and you get through, it's almost like, all right, well, I just saved the night. So whatever happens from here is is good, you know? So I think that was another reason for me to be a little more relaxed. And then you're, you're also not expecting a great start from outside of no. a, it's a short starting, you know, start straight. So, uh, yeah. And, and I just kept ch- chipping away. One thing that I do remember from the day is there was pretty gnarly section, um, that you could triple, triple in where kind of, you go off the start, you know, you take that left and then there's a left and then you could, you could kind of go three, three and Ricky was doing a few guys were doing it. Mm-hmm. I did it earlier in the day, but it was really easy to miss. And it was also super ruddy. So I made the decision early in the day just to do the generic line, which was, there was a little knuckle on the inside that you could, you know, you could step up over the first um, kind of jump in mm-hmm. the rhythm and then double, 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 and then single out. Cause you could get a good angle and drive. Right. So I just early in the day, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to mess with that line anymore. It's just, it's going to mess us up. You know, at some point, whoever's doing that is going to make make mistakes. It's going to cost them. And honestly, when uh, I think Tortelli yep. was either Seb did it, he was up. in the lead. I think he was maybe second. I was right behind him. He was doing it, and he messed up. And I actually ran into him really, really hard. 
like, cause he, he did the three and then kind of halfway did the next three. And then I just ran right into him cause I was just doing the double, double, double. So, um, that was, that's something that I've used with a lot of guys I've worked with and coached along the way is sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't really have to do the biggest line to make, make the night work, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, related to that, uh, how Pontiac back in the day, we used to get super rutted. Was it bad? Was it getting worse? Was it extra two? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, they, obviously they reface, you know, the majority of the track, um, as much as they can before the main event and, you know, I had ridden the LCQ, so I knew there was some pretty bad spots that they wouldn't get to as well. So, um, yeah, through, throughout that main event, it got worse and worse. And that that triple-triple section um, was one of the spots that just – it was – I knew it was going to get gnarly and that they couldn't keep doing that 3-3. So that kind of played in. And then the whoop, the whoop section also got pretty chewed up and edgy. And, you know, I think what uh, – Red Dog was leading, and he parked it over on the left side. <sighs> and then um, I think that um, Lusk was also leading and went to the right side and parked it. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to stay close to the middle as I can. Three laps to go for the 1-5, Nate. Just yeah. three laps to go for him. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yep. And he had a little room. I oh, he did. Room. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Real. Yep. I also, you know, out of all of us who led that race and, you know, it was such a crazy race, I actually went into, at the end of the whoops, a few, you know, sometimes I was taking the inside at the very end of the whoops as a right-hander. And when I went in there, um, McGrath had also kind of tucked in there and he caught his front brake on the tough block. So I ran into the back of him and fell over. Yeah, I was going to say, that's on my notes. You won this race with a fall, with a tip over. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought at that point, I thought it was off the table, you know. Yeah. But um, you obviously kept your yeah. bike running. You kept it running, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, good at that in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What a night for you, for sure. Lee at Reraceables, Nathan Ramsey, Pontiac 02. Yeah. Uh, Ernie led, Yogi led, Red Dog led, uh, and then eventually you led. led. Uh, talk about that triple triple. Yogi made a mistake on it. Seb made a mistake on it. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy. Oh, Villaman came in, was going. Villaman was really good this year, as you remember, led the points for yep. most of the year. He looked great, and then he tried to force it and before the bridge and tipped over. Like it was, yep. like you said, it was like a whole bunch of guys freaking out when they saw Carmichael loop out. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I don't. I mean, someone. I, I think someone said there was eight leaders on that night. Um, yeah, maybe if I'm remembering right. So everybody sort of had a chance, and they were just like, "No, nope, I'm good. I, <laughs> I don't want it." And then I was like, "I'll take it." <laughs> Nate, something I was thinking about watching this race. A couple things. A, your teammates with Ernie, going, which you were you were teammates with Ernie at Yamaha Troy, right? And yep. then I started thinking too. Is this the first year of the Honda 450? I think it is, the production bike, because Rhino yes. rode 01. So whether it was KTM later on, this year at Honda, or Yamaha at Troy, it was like a lot of teams were like, hey, we have a four-stroke. Let's hire Nathan Ramsey. He'll help us out. <laughs> right? You know you know what's funny? I mean, there's, there's a lot of truth behind that. Um, and, and strategically, I kind of made that decision. I had my agent at the time was Bob Moore, um, and – he told me I was, I was still riding for pro circuit and he basically told me the four stroke was coming. It was the wave of the future. 
And if, you know, I was a little bit older, so I was always looking at any kind of edge I could to, you know, make my career last longer. And he was like, we need to try and get on this. Yamaha of Troy is going to have the first kind of team with, with the four stroke. So I, I basically had to sit down with Mitch and Bones and explain my strategy to them uh, of why I was leaving pro circuit after I had, you know, won a championship for them there and had such a great relationship with those guys sat down kind of explained it. And they really didn't have anything to say besides, wow, I, we never had somebody leave on their own accord, you know, after being successful with us, but like they, they really couldn't say much because I think they believed it was coming too. Mm -hmm. And I, I just told them, I'm like, I want to ride the four stroke wave and be on the forefront of it. So I chose to do the Yamaha Troy deal, which was, it was tough. On the, on the other hand, all these debuts of these bikes, as you can imagine, you know, being the first generation, it was tough. So, well, um, yeah, yeah, carburetor, so, carburetor issues, right? But you probably experienced all that stuff on Supercross. Yeah. Yeah. Carburetor issues and just, I mean, just starting them alone was <laughs> a tough task. Right. I literally, I was leading Troy, Ohio. Uh, the the national one year on the Yamaha Troy and it was my fault I crashed but I went from leading crashing and picking up my bike and kicking on it and watching the leaders come back around again before I got it started oh jeez yeah yeah and uh, I actually did the same thing in a Supercross on the KTM um, it was Phoenix and I crashed I was in third place actually on that one and. Uh, I, the, the leaders came around, I think twice on that one. So I couldn't, I just, once they got turned upside down, they were really hard to start, you know, back then. Um, so that was, that was one of the negatives of, of for sure being on, you know, debuting some of these bikes. But yeah, I went from, you know, Troy to, I did the Honda 450 and then I got hurt at Honda, broke my femur and I never had pointed out. So then they kind of, you know, reached out to me to see if, I had one more year on my contract and they said, you know, Hey, would you be willing to not take a step backwards, take a side step and debut our two fifty F for us? Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah, whatever you guys want me to do, I'll, I'll do. And so I did the, you know, I did the Honda two fifty F which then led to the KTM two fifty F as well. Yeah. Interesting. And as I said, it's first of all, props to Bobby Moore for, and you for that strategy, that's that's really good. And, you know, obviously you were an older guy, so you, you could test. You knew what bikes were like. And and two, like I said, you had probably some scary moments. Uh, you know, I remember the Yamaha Troy thing, the, the, the rod going a few times at a few races, yeah. you know, like yeah. just puff of yeah. smoke, oil everywhere. And now Nate and a got, hole in the yeah. bottom of your case. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Huge. Absolutely. And, and weird thing is Ernesto – he, he had more of it happen in a race situation. And for some reason, you know, I, I lucked out and most of my stuff would either happen in practice, you know, of the race or, you know, during the week. Yeah. So um, that was pretty lucky. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a very, very uh, sketchy situation, you know, to yeah. be the gig for that. Absolutely. Uh, Ricky's, almost, uh, Ricky's really good in this race. I mean, all the way up to second. You know, no visor after that crash, and 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 I'm, I talked earlier on this pod about how many times I saw Ricky eat shit in practice or whatever, and then the guy would just made out of rubber, right? He could just bounce yeah. up, no problem. Do you? And, and this this is this is peak like angry Ricky uh, if he loses, right? Um, yeah. Do you, do you, how was he after after your win? Was he happy for you, or 
Did you sense that even he was and Genie and everyone was pissed? You know what? One of the probably the coolest feelings was after at the end of that race. I mean, I, I'll kind of take you back a little bit. I, mm -hmm. I remember after all that chaos, I took the white flag and I was still leading. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I could hear the crowd cheering. I didn't know it was Ricky coming, but you know, you kind of assume like who somebody's coming and they're pretty excited. <laughs> and I just remember going across the white flag and going like if i'm leaving right now for the white flag there's no way i'm getting passed on this last lap <laughs> so i'm like i didn't do all this to get passed in the very last lap so ultimately you know i pulled it off and then i pulled on to that next jump and both ricky pulled on one side of me and mcgrath pulled on the other side and, and they both were just like so i mean i i really think they were happy for me i mean sure they wanted to win too but they were both like, oh, my gosh, Natal, that's so awesome. Like, give me five, give me a hug. Like, I really felt it was genuine. So it was a really, really good feeling. So back at the truck, um, there was I, – I didn't feel any animosity or anything like that. I think Ricky was probably pretty happy that he salvaged the night mm -hmm. by coming all the way back to second. But I have been in the truck before when Ricky – lost and wasn't very happy it, you know it wasn't a pretty sight you know i mean the kid just i i, I used to say like most people got to learn how to win or get used to winning or something like that i mean he didn't know how to lose so it was yeah. like he didn't yeah. know what to do if he lost so his his reaction was totally different than most people you know but on that night i think that you know he probably i, I feel i really do feel like he he felt that if I didn't win tonight and Nate did, that's pretty cool. Right. And, and you know, he made it points on Villeman. He was chasing him, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. all in all, it was a pretty good night considering he looped out. And, by the way, I watched that crash three times. It was a good one. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. He, he, belly, he belly flopped. He really yeah. did. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, even being on Team Honda as Ricky's teammate, do you think that the four-stroke experience you had helped get that ride because they were looking for this new 450? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, 100%, the, the fact that I had a year already on a four-stroke um, helped me get that job. And I was I was also known as a pretty good test rider, um, which was another thing that I tried to play into uh, to, you know, if you're looking at two different guys, you go, oh, they, they finished pretty close to the same spot, but this guy's really good at testing. He's helped our team in the past, you know, then I think he carried more value. So 100% that helped me get that ride. Uh, something I was thinking about, Nate, so obviously I'm biased towards Red Dog, good friend of mine. I worked for him, and he throws this one away. And mm -hmm. I gave him, I gave him, I sent him a text when I was rewatching this again, and he said, it happens. So he, <laughs> he's gotten over it. But one thing I was thinking about, so you have one 450 Supercross win, and it's amazing. Yep. And then Ernie, who leads early, and Timmy, who leads late, never got one. Um, and you had a great career. But you just have this one 450 Supercross win. Like, for you, does it mean something that you've got the one? Or are you perfectly content and happy with everything you did in the sport, which is a ton, championship and all that? Even if you didn't get this win, this one win, like where, when you look back and think about your, your racing career, is it, is it, you know, does it matter to you that you got the one? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, like you said, there's some, gr I mean, some really, really good riders that never even got one. So uh, I think it was Ezra who said to me at one point, like not too long after this race was like, you're, you're on a short list of guys who've actually won, mm -hmm. you know, 
the premier class main event. So I, I think it was one of the highlights of my career. And um, I, I definitely feel that if I didn't have it, I think there, you know, obviously I still would be proud of you yeah. know, what I did, where I came from. But at the same time, I think that just kind of, you know, solidified the fact of being a, a stable, real, real guy, you know, mm-hmm. in the sport. Yeah, you know, a lot of guys that knew you from back in the day, and Timmy's one of them, and I forget a couple other guys. I mean, I've had a few people tell me, like, look, Nate wasn't very good. Uh, His rise to championship in the 250 Supercross class, your 450 Supercross win, everything else you've done, they're like, dude, he is a self-made guy. No one would have picked him to do this when they saw him in B class or whatever. Uh, Do you agree with all that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't the most talented natural guy on a motorcycle. I started racing late. I think that I, that, that actually gave me a little bit of an advantage because I, I literally felt like I was always trying to make up ground. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it was no secret. I wasn't the prettiest rider. I wasn't the cleanest rider. I wasn't the most technical rider. Um, but I did string together 16 years of being a professional racer so, you know, I think putting in the hard work is just a testament to hard work and, you know, being able to achieve what you want if you're willing to work for it. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, I think I was blessed and, you know, got, got a lot of cool opportunities just being in the right place at the right time. But I literally have had people come up to me that beat me all through amateurs and then probably even up into the beginning of the pros. And they, they were almost like, aggravated or still like <laughs> chip on their shoulder like how did how, how did i not make it and you did or you know they didn't make it to where they wanted to and yeah you know yeah. I, I got i mean all i can say is i just kept kept working and i surrounded myself by good people and you know i was just like a sponge i mean i spent a lot of time with with ezra at his place and his his dad ronnie helped me a lot mm-hmm. i mean i just i took from everybody that was around me i mean red dog taught me a ton rhino taught me a lot you know later when i was riding for pro circuit like i mean everybody i think wasn't as like didn't think like you said didn't really expect me to do a ton so they didn't mind helping me and giving me little trade secrets and little things like that Mm -hmm. which i took and ran with as as much as i could you know so you know i don't take offense to that at all i think that it's it's just it's speaking the truth i wasn't I wasn't that talented, um, but I had enough to work with to uh, add the you know add the hard work and ethic to it and mm-hmm. and make it make it work. You know, must have been pretty cool to be around RC Tortelli and Ernie at the Honda truck uh, at this at this era, right? Like, I mean, oh yeah, Seb is awesome. an animal. Ricky's all time, and then Ernie was technically so yeah. good. You know, so. yeah, we called him the surgeon. Yeah, but yeah, he. I mean, all those guys. I mean, it was it was a great vibe. Real, really, at every team I was at. You know, I mean, you got to think. My first when I was talking about right, right time, right place and time. I, I moved to California. I went out and stayed in California for a couple of weeks in '93. And I stayed with Budman mm-hmm. and got to know like Emig and McGrath and all those guys. And and I was just this hillbilly from Tennessee that was just I couldn't believe I was surrounded by all these great racers, you know, what, you know where I wanted to be. And then in 1997, I moved to California and ended up bunking up and splitting an apartment with Red Dog and Lee McCollum. Um, and it was me and Bundy. And I when we went out there. 
I had a primal impulse deal uh, that was offered to me verbally and I was waiting on the contract. And I had waited for a, a pretty long time to get the contract. And, I mean, I know now those things take time, but in, <laughs> yeah. in the moment, I was thinking, oh man, I'm going to get, I'm going to get jacked. I'm going to get jacked and there's not going to be anything left. Well, Lee came home from working at Suzuki one day and was like, Hey, Nate dog, I, I was talking to the guys and I guess, you know, at that moment they only had red dog for East coast 125 guy. And they were like, Hey, we, they, you know, the higher ups just said, we have to have a West coast 125 guy. Have you signed anything? Would you be willing to come in and talk to him? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yes, I'll come in. And I, I went in there, and it was Hide, uh, who used to be there, yep. um, which was above Roger at the time. And I, I'm, I'm positive, and you know, I don't think it was anything against me, but Roger did not want a fifth rider. Imagine that. One truck, five guys. Um, and But Hide presented the deal. He, he had a contract. He slid it across the table, and I signed it as fast as I could. <laughs> 24 grand right that's what you guys were making yep. back then yep yep, yep. 24 grand yep. which was, which was the my primal impulse contract was supposed to be so after i signed it i'm obviously i'm like oh, dude, i can't believe i'm a factory rider like, yeah I just couldn't believe it but how could you say no you know and go oh no let me you know right. so i had to go to honda after that because i had already gotten a bike from honda that it was somewhat i think it I forget whose bike it was, but they gave me a used bike to start riding until I could get my bikes and get mm -hmm. a contract. And I had driven all the way out to California, me and Bundy with the, with that bike and was riding in the meantime. So I had to go take that bike back to Honda. And I went into Honda to, you know, let them know mm -hmm. that I was riding the bike and that I'd done a deal with Suzuki. And gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, it wasn't Cliff, and I, I can't remember. I, I'm drawing a blank on the guy mm -hmm. from Honda, but he got me in the office, and I mean, he let me have it. Like you, <laughs> you're you're burning bridges. You're you're nothing in this sport. You'll never make it like mm. this. I can't believe you wow. would do this. Yeah, I mean, and I I walked out of there believing him. Like, oh, what have I done? You know, like yeah. I'm screwed. You know. Meanwhile, then I end up riding for Honda in yeah. 02, 03 and 04. So. Uh, he, he had moved on by then, but, uh, you know, I, I learned pretty quick, like you got to really burn somebody pretty bad to never, never yeah. have, you know, if you're doing good. And then this is uh, the year red dog, I believe told me about halfway through the year, Roger just didn't speak to either one of you anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I got <laughs> very little out of Roger all year. Um, right. the one thing I remember to this day, he told me practice the things that you're not good at like you're not fun you're going to be drawn to the things that you yep. know they're good at already so you're like oh i'll just keep working on this and you're already good at it but he told me practice the things you're not good at so i <laughs> that's the one bit of advice i got from him and like i said you know i get it he didn't want another person on the team you know it's just too much going on right and, and you know he probably wasn't super into the 125s anyway no, you know, so, no. It sounded like he, um, yeah, he wasn't really. You guys were having issues with the bikes, weren't happy, and he was just like, "I hate these kids," and that's how yeah. it went, pretty much. And, you know, the next time he talked to me is when I started winning on, on my pro circuit bike. Oh, imagine that! And then it was like, okay, <laughs> then, then we started talking again. <laughs> um, now, obviously, I work with him, yeah, on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the cycle news article, he, he does know oh. you're the same guy, right? Yeah. He does remember. Uh, I don't know. I've never brought that <laughs> oh, up. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
you just you just head head down and just keep working, Nate. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just be respectful and uh, just try and do my job. In, in Cycle News, uh, you had the last choice in the starting gate. You said in Cycle News, there was one guy beside me. It was Heath Foss. I said to him, yeah. man, you're going to have to get a really good jump. Heath said, I'm counting to seven and I'm dumping the clutch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but, I mean, he was a great starter. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of the best. Right, yeah. So you were yeah. probably like, all right, Heath, cool, man. I'll, I'll probably win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. And uh, also, two, uh, 125 class, Brandon Jessamine stops Reed's win streak. He wins for the first time uh, that this night as well. Uh, yeah, two, yeah, two guys yeah. who'd never won before. Anything else, Weech, for, for Nate Dog? Um, no, I mean, it's just such an epic race and then it ends up being your, your, your only win. My last thing would be though, you mentioned Bundy. Can we talk Bundy here a little bit? <laughs> Bundy, your long, your long That's time. Account- <laughs> big opening there. Yes. Uh, Bundy, your long time. Account- First of all, how were you able to, as you're working your way through, you, you managed to bring Bundy with you to almost each team you were on, right? Right. Which is really weird because back then I thought it was such a strong idea and a strong package to have such a rider mechanic connection. I mean, we were like brothers, like, I mean, we still are to this day, but I I just thought that was such a value, you know, and now being on the other side of the fence, yes, that's great. We do want a good rider mechanic package, but as a, you know, running a team and having a crew of guys, you really want that team to be a core group to the, you know, to the company and to your team and to your efforts and be, you know, stand for, for his rider, but also not be so over the edge for the rider because there's such a personal connection, you know? So it is, it's a fine line of too much and too little. And, you know, like I said, me and Bundy were, we were, you know, deeply connected and I, I don't, I mean, the whole thing, again, back to the Suzuki thing, realistically, I mean, Bundy Bundy grew up about two miles from my parents, and we went to the same church at one point growing up, and so we were just friends, and then he started going racing with us as a, as a family. So he was like the third kid, you know? So I have a brother that's three years older than me, and then Bundy started going racing with us, and he was, I'm, take, I'm telling you, he was a yard sell. I mean, in the fences, like, he was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> and so at one point when I was like, basically we were staying my, my senior year, we stayed in, in tall pines RV park um, and rode at Croom like every day. And it was me and my mom and Bundy made a deal like, Hey, I'll go with you and I'll be your camp mechanic. If you just pay for my food while we're, so I was like, okay, that, that'd be cool. He's like, I'll change your filters. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And I was like, perfect. I, I love that idea. So that's how he started, and then I think it went from there to me paying him like fifty dollars or something a week. And I mean, then with the you know back to the living with Red Dog and Lee. I mean, he was there with me. So when I got the opportunity, I was like, well, I have a mechanic, and he, and of course they needed somebody because they never they never planned to have five guys, you know. So he just jumped right in with me, and then again he. As as crazy as Bundy is, and especially as he is in so many ways, um, he just really would apply himself to the mechanical side of things when he kind of screwed everything else up, you know. So it was it was definitely a fit for him, and, and you know it was a fit that lasted until he decided, hey, I don't want to travel anymore. You know, he had a wife, they had a new son, and uh, he ended up going to work for Fox as a rep, and that's that's when I ended up not having him, you know, in my, you know, at least at the, at, 
at the races and at the track with me. So you could have had him the whole time. You could have kept going. Like it, he never got forced out. Um, he was, no. yeah. wow, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of teams. We're talking a lot of teams here. For, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. I was definitely very when jealous of that. Yeah. yeah as when a mechanic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When I went to ATM, I, that's when he decided to go a different route. And I actually had Jay Burgess as a mechanic at ATM. Who now is at Gas Gas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still still uh, over in the KTM family. Well, cool, yeah. man. Uh, what a night, 2002 Pontiac. Uh, great job. It was cool. It was a great race. Like I said, rewatching it, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like six guys in in the same straightaway and everything. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, by the way, too, uh, Nate, you might be the last Axel guy to win a Supercross. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. We'll, possible. we'll have to double check, but yeah, the, the Bradshaw Stanton days were long gone, and you're still running yeah. Axel. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, might be right. I think the other one to win with Axel might have been uh, Damon Huffman. I think he was wearing it when he yeah, won. He was, but that was definitely before you. Um, so yeah. yeah, you might be the last Axel winner. Uh, what a what, yeah. what another award you got! Wow, <laughs> I got, wow. Another, got another little tidbit for you, and I've said this before, but yeah. and I, I I use this with my guys, but um, so I, I claim I claim I'm the guy who in, invented the bump seat, right? Or not necessarily the bump seat, but any kind of you know mm. raise. Okay, yeah. So I'm 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 on the 450. You know, and, and the whole time I raced that 450, I was trying to figure out how to slow it down because it was too fast, right? So it was just, I mean, ridiculous. The first first one that came from Japan was so fast that I had, I was like, Eric, Kehoe, manager, you got to ride this thing so you know what I'm talking about. So we spent two years trying to slow it down. So the Japanese guys were out uh, helping with testing in California at one point, and I was trying to explain to them the bike is too fast. It's too fast. I can't stay on it. Like it, it wants to go out from under me. And I said, I was joking. I said, I need like street bike seat, you know, with the hump, oh, you know, yeah. like, right. And they like kind of look at me and laugh a little bit, but you know, whatever. And they, we finished our testing. They went home and then probably a week or two later, a seat shows up that was like a miniature version of a street bike seat. So it wasn't just the hump. It would actually, it raised up at one point and went all the way back. And so that Pontiac Supercross was, a, I, I wrote it during that week and I was like, ah, oh. I was, I kind of, I couldn't believe they sent it for one because yeah. it was a joke. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, put it on. Let me try it at least. And then I was like, I really do stay a little bit better in position. I think this could work. So that was the first race that I rode with that seat. And it oh, was wow. up seat. Look at that. So, all you riders out there who use the hump, you're welcome. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, that's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you're the guy responsible for me with a damn turkey carving thing cutting into my uh, foam all those years. Got it. Okay. Yeah, with, with that being said, I'd like to apologize to all the mechanics out yeah. there as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, awesome, yeah. man. Well, cool. Thanks for doing this, Nate. Really good stuff. Uh, congrats on the win. All these years later. And, of course, you're the team manager for the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team. Uh, Craig yeah. and Mookie, uh, yeah, pretty good riders you have over there. Yeah, um, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this challenge of the new year. You know, I kind of jumped in after the racing started last year with the, the Rockstar Energy Hus Husqvarna team. And, I mean, I'm excited for this new year with, with Christian and Malcolm and Jalik 
and RJ as well. So mm-hmm. um, off season's going good. So hopefully we can carry it in and work the process and uh, be in the you know in the points race. Awesome, man. Thanks for the time. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. See ya. Good stuff from Nate on the Liat Reraceables. Uh, I like the bunch from my phone there, which seemed to only know when I needed to speak. Yeah, yeah. And it would stop working, but then it would work everything else. But you could hear us, anyways. Um, yeah, when yeah, is it had good stuff? Uh, I love you. Got to love the honesty, you know, right? Um, and I had no idea of his four-stroke strategy and all that. I didn't. Well, I knew that from talking to him over the years. I didn't know the mm-hmm. seat story, so that's cool. Interesting no. seat. Uh, screw you, Nate, because I, I I don't know how many turkey uh knife knives i sacrificed in cutting seat foam and gluing and everything and all that over my over my mechanicing career um yeah axle gear too yeah axle i, I that struck me when watching this too rewatching this so yeah um, yeah last axle win if somebody's heard or figured something out otherwise let us know yeah yeah let us know if axle uh had gotten a win after nate ramsey uh yeah good good stuff from nate for sure an underrated rider it, isn't he, and this is off the top of my head, uh, isn't he the career leader in 125 slash 250 Supercross wins? No, not uh, number one. That is uh, Stu. Oh, but, it is? Uh, oh. He might be second. Okay. I'm going to try to type this in. Um, okay. I, and I'll get an answer by the time we're done. Stu's the leader? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I swear Nathan was, though, for a while. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, you look at Nate played the game really well with the um, – Going back to the 250 class, making some money, winning some races, going up to 450s when there's rides, dropping back down. Really played it well, right, as far as uh, making money in the sport. So Yeah, and when you think of – we probably don't give enough credit, the the humble roots that you brought up where he was not very good as a young rider at all. No, um, no. And dude. how he pulled it off. I mean, it's really one of the best rags to riches tales and probably should get brought up more uh, of a guy who made something out of mm. – Basically nothing. No, I, I heard that. I've heard that from so many people over the years, like Southern Florida people and 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 Red Dog and guys who knew Nate uh, coming yep. up. They're like, it's incredible what he did. So yeah, props to Nathan Ramsey. Great career, made a lot of money. Yeah, now that I live races. in the Southeast, you know, the North Carolina area, but everybody goes to Muddy Creek and all those tracks. There are people I run into with those same stories. Like they rode for the same shop as mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and all that. And these were guys that didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the ultimate is that Bundy, the mechanic that we talked about here, I work right next door to him. My buddy Johnny Oler was the suspension guy at JGR, and Bundy was the engine guy at JGR, so they basically share a building. Um, I hadn't gotten over there much the last two years, but my kids are finally getting older, and I can leave the damn house. So over the last month or so, I've been hanging out with Bundy quite a bit. And Bundy is, if you meet this dude, you will say, if he's not the wildest character you've ever met in your life, he's tied. Like, I don't know who he's. <laughs> There I don't could know be who's a, more could, of a character than Bundy. Could there be another Bundy podcast? There, need, there absolutely needs to be. Like, Bundy is unbelievable. And to know how Nate is, like, Nate just seems so, like, solid. And, like, they're the perfect combo. They're kind of like what you and Way were doing, but on steroids. Like, yeah. Bundy even wilder. And then Nate to kind of corral. Whatever Nate had to do to kind of corral, they must have been the yin and the yang. And yeah. they the perfect combo. Because to know both of them, I'm like, how does this work? They don't seem anything alike. No, no, they don't. Right? Um, no. He, uh, yeah, and I was always jealous because Nate took Bundy everywhere, like you mentioned, and I was always jealous of that as a mechanic. I'm like, that's awesome. That's great. 
great to see because, yeah, there isn't the loyalty with riders and mechanics. Yeah. Nowadays, it's basically mechanics stay with the team. But, um, yeah, it doesn't it, – back then, it, it, there was some of it, but it was really cool to see that Bundy was able to follow Nate around. That's, that, that's awesome, so – and the really cool thing for Bundy now is because he was working for JGR and then he's in the NASCAR area, he starts getting into, they start building 450 motocross engines to put in um, go-karts and dirt track cars, and no one can beat him because he's the master of building motocross engines compared to anybody else in this area. So then he starts going further and further in the car direction, and now Bundy has become like the guy when it comes to like building these dirt sprints and midgets and all that, and it's ridiculous, like, Kyle Larson, like the Kyle Larson, last year's NASCAR Cup champion, is like best friends at Bundy, comes into his shop, wants Bundy to build his dirt cars. Like Bundy has become a legend even in these car racing circles, which he wasn't even involved in probably seven years ago. I did not so, know that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I call Bundy when I, when I said to Nate, I'm like, you're aware of Bundy's pretty much just the mayor of Charlotte now. Like everybody loves him. You're either a motocross guy or a car guy. Bundy's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> Dominating. Bundy's unbelievable. It's, it's all coming yeah. up Bundy. <laughs> and then Bundy, uh, sad to say, Bundy uh, almost two years ago had a heart attack and was going to die. Like, he was going to die. I'm sure you heard this. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't. <laughs> he just didn't. And then Bundy all the time is like, well, that all went down when I was dead. But now <laughs> I'm not dead anymore. <laughs> That's because I died. <laughs> He was like in the hospital, like in a coma. Oh, for like, I heard I don't know, it was like bad. Two months yeah. or something. Yeah. It was terrible. Like he was definitely not going to survive, and he just did. And he's just back in the shop. He's got some problems with his leg just because of the circulation he's working on. But otherwise, it's same old Bundy. He's just unbelievable, and uh, it's cool to hear or even imagine what life would have been like on the road back then. Because I'm sure you would say the same thing. The mechanic rider whole dynamic thing was different back then. Than it oh is now. yeah, absolutely. No, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, this was my last year in a box fan. I went to factory Yamaha the next year and was in the semi until uh, until I quit being a mechanic. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, box fans were pretty much done by this point, but they were still. It was still a different era for sure. Um, so. Yeah, Nate Dog is second all time. Stewart has eighteen. He has fifteen. McGrath is 13. So if you're sitting between Stu and MC on any list. You're, yeah, you've had a nice career. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, thank you to the folks at Guts. Pulp 2022 is the code to say with Guts Racing. Uh, seat foams and seat uh, covers uh, for some of the best in the sport. And uh, all models. I've, all my, if you have a vintage bike, seats get hammered. And uh, I've, done, I've used Guts for all my vintage stuff. Uh, so thank you to the folks at Guts Racing. Pulp 2022 to save. Phantom Lightweight Seat Foam. They got a complete seats. They got gripper seats. They got uh, stock replica seats. All of that stuff. If you need seats, go to see Guts. Uh, and again, Liat, Liat.com. Use the code, or I should say email us for a code to save at Liat.com. And uh, yeah, they, they'll give you, I think it's, I think it's thirty percent off, which even Weege, Weege, thirty percent off. That that I mean, you're down with that. Oh, oh, I'm in. I mean, I recently um, used some of your connections for a mountain bike, and that was a discount I got, and I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, doesn't always have to be free. That'd be great, but thirty percent right. off is legit. Yeah, and you're just giving this out to anybody, anybody, anybody who wants uh, to save at Liat. Uh, and uh, yeah, really cool stuff. Uh, you know who wears Liat? Freckle wears Liat, and we like Freckle. So, um, all right, everybody, uh, time for the Liat re-racing categories. Weege, you, you ready? Sure. All right. Who really won the race? Uh, not always the winner. Uh, Tim Ferry really won this race. Oh, 
Okay. Yep. Fine. Uh, I'm going to go with Nathan Ramsey. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, who's that guy? It's tougher to do. This is O two. Um, yeah. You know, it's definitely tougher to do. I'm going to go 16th in the 125s, Adam Menenga. I remember the name, Moody, Texas. I know there's Randy Meninga, the track guy. I don't think there were... this is hilarious. I think this is the second time this has happened on this show. I think so. Yeah, I think we've the had Meninga non-brother brothers that are not related. Yeah. So and Seth yeah. Rarick will probably chime in with lots of Adam Meninga facts, but I'll go Adam Meninga, sixteenth <laughs> uh, at the O2 Pontiac 125s. Uh, let me go. Now, I if, was thinking if, more. I was headed toward the um, if I go Marsac Award. Oh. Oh yeah, no. This is who's that guy award? Uh, if, yeah, if, if you really want to do yep. who's that guy award for, because I've heard of Adam Meninga, I've seen him around. The highest placing guy that I have absolutely no idea about. Seventh, one twenty five LCQ Jeffrey Bowman. No idea. Seventh no place. Idea. Yeah, yeah, I don't have access. Is that cycle news? Where that's are you getting cycle his LCQ results? That's cycle news. Ah, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's that guy? I'm gonna go. Um, 19th place in the 125 class. Uh, I've never, I don't know, who, who is this? A young man named Josh Toppins. He's a New Zealand flag. What, you're not looking, what? What, what are you talking about? You're not looking at the right race. Oh, sorry, that's Phoenix, <laughs> not Pontiac. <laughs> but yes. I'm by alphabetical order. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on. Let me go back to this. Josh Coppins rode a Supercross. That was the point I was going to make here. Yeah, he did. He, I remember. He, he was uh, yeah, he was racing some. Uh, made some mains, I think. Yep, I remember that. Josh Coppins. All right, yeah. Don't do an alphabetical order search and find Phoenix instead of Pontiac. Right. By the way, though. All right. Uh, yeah. So I don't have access to the okay. um, to the uh, LCQs. So uh, I'm going to go. Uh, Thomas Kelly. I don't. I, I feel like I should know that he's from Ohio. I should know who that is, well, but I don't. He's from New Philadelphia. That's Brock Sellers' hometown. I, I know, so right. I feel like I should know about this guy, but I don't. Yeah. Yep. All right. Have you heard of Thomas Kelly? Yes, I have. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, did you see Thomas Kelly in your days at Sellers' house with KTM? I don't know, but I remember Tom Kelly. He was Tom okay. Kelly, and uh, Tom Kelly. Yep, yep. But I don't. I don't think I knew he was from New Philadelphia. But 100 yeah. percent that Tom Kelly spent a lot of time at Broken Spokes. 100 <laughs> percent. Okay. So. <laughs> And Nick Way spent plenty of time with dirty spokes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good one. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Lit Kid Award. What do you got, Weech? Well, honestly, I want to pull a surprising one out. Uh, I really want to give it to Ernesto Fonseca. He was a long-time answer guy. And I, I really thought they made it look good. But, man, Axo getting their last win. And the gear still looked okay. It wasn't peak. <laughs> it was. It's not Lit Kid, though. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's not lit. Come on, kit. man. This gear brand. It's an iconic gear brand. Get the last minute. All right, fine. I'll give it to Answer and Ernesto Fonseca. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, by the way, uh, Dowd, John Dowd was sixth in 125s on a KTM. This I don't remember. I don't remember John. Yeah, he da- came back. It okay. kind of became the thing for a while. These old guys. I don't know what the deal was with 125 eligibility back then. <laughs> remember Larry Ward came back? Yeah. Started racing it. Yeah, yeah. This was Larry. Larry was. Um, uh, really good, yeah, on a four-stroke, yeah. So um. yeah, yeah, and then Dow did, you know, Mike Brown's racing the class. Yeah, so I remember, dude, what was the first race? What was the first one twenty-five East race of the year? I think it was Indy. This is Bud. Year? This is Budman too, by the way. Budman Factory Suzuki. Budman yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. So what is the combined age of these four guys? <laughs> you have Larry Ward, Dow, uh, 
uh, Brown. Um, anyway, I remember watching practice at Indy, um, and you're just like sizing everybody up because it's round one. And I'm like, oh my God, look at Dowd. He is ripping. And I remember Davey being like, what? And then Davey looked, he's like, oh my God, you're right. He is killing it. And in the whoops, yeah. Dowd was good. I don't know. Like KTM, well, I don't know what the, the team situation was. I have no idea. I have no idea, and neither does John, so we can't ask him. No, about. he would not remember. No, um, I think it was like a Cernix KTM. I think was it was. Here he would race. I think it was a five fifty outdoors or something. I think it was. Yep. 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 Um. Yeah. Now that no chance we could, no chance that John Dowd would remember any of it. But anyways, uh, all no. right. So my lit kid award, um, would there's eight million Thor guys. Oh, God, yeah. But for some reason, Jeremy looks great. I, I don't know. How is that? Blue, black. His gear is probably 90% the same as Timmy's and five other Yamaha guys. Ah, just It looks better. I don't know. It looks good. <laughs> I'm going to go Jeremy. Yeah, I really think so. Uh, shit kid award? Well, Nick Way's O'Neill uh, O'Neil stuff was not good back then. Uh, he doesn't make this broadcast at all, but there are photos of him, and I specifically remember the gear. Um, Jessamine's fly stuff, not the greatest. Oh, we're taking some personal shots here. I know. It hurts. It hurts. I mean, these are brands you love, people you love. I know. I know, but I got to give it to the listeners that, to be honest, uh, I'm sure Barry's stuff didn't look good, but I don't have a photo of Barry from O2. How, how dare you? Uh, how dare you? What, what, what do you got? Uh, well, I'm going to kind of do the same thing you did. I thought Villaman's gear back then looked absolutely horrible. It was Oxbow. Yeah. 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 His fly gear was never that good. No. The Oxbow wasn't that good. Yeah. At least it wasn't fly this particular year. But I honestly feel the, the years he was in fly gear was even worse. Yeah. But for the purposes of this show, I'm only taking a shot at Oxbow. Okay, all right, fair enough. Because uh, yeah. Fly gives you gear, so I, I get it. Yeah, I escaped. I escaped barely. Uh, Dude, his Fly gear looked terrible. Villamans or Jessamine? Yes. Jessamine stuff doesn't look good either. Um, yeah, it just, that happened to be this particular year, yeah. Right. This is... Uh, uh, and also, I also want to say, I hated the orange. I lo- Orange is my favorite color, but it does not look good on the Honda. I know it was Carmichael's thing. It was his good luck yeah, year or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, that look was terrible. No, yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah. Um, all right, where's JT? Well, he's hurt. Uh, 02, he was uh, wearing SoCal gear. Shout out to Bill Dill, the late Bill Dill. He was riding for mm-hmm. um, um, uh, what the hell's Bill's called, team called? Uh, 3D. 3D, sorry. Riding for mm-hmm. Bill Dill, 3D. Really good. Uh, had a, having a good year, JT was as a privateer. I remember he put heat on Nick uh, at one of these races earlier in the year. But then Ryan Clark jumped on him and broke his wrist. So JT's at home in Gainesville with a broken wrist at this time. Oh, when he was putting heat on Nick and then got hurt, were you like, yes? No, I wasn't. I, I meant I, yes. I knew that that meant problems with Nick. I knew that Nick this was going to cause my problems. So. No, no, when he got hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was very happy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah when JT got hurt, you were like, uh, yes, he's yeah. out. <laughs> okay. I uh, guess at that point, you already knew. What? You, you, and, you and JT were already buddies by then, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. We met in 99 when I worked for, for Timmy, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, by the way, I just did this uh, Google search, uh, just Pontiac 2002. It's usually how you can find the best photos of the gear. I saw this random story from... Review-mag.com. And here, I don't know who this dude is. I don't even think he's a motocross guy. Mm -hmm. And it's a fantastic story. 
on this race. Pontiac Silverdome was transformed on Saturday, April 13, 2002, into a noisy, rowdy, exhaust-filled party, all caps, for the dramatic 13-round, the 16-round EA Sports Supercross Series. Insiders, fans, and motocross legends all held this as an instant classic within minutes of the thrilling conclusion, you should have been there. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. We were there. Yeah, incredible. I don't, I don't have to read the rest of this, but I have no idea. What's, Most of it's just a primer on like what Supercross is. What's the guy's name? It is Daryl Kazan, K-A-C-Z-A-N. Shout out Daryl. A.K.A. Sag Nasty on the Microsoft Network Gaming Zone channel. Maybe Kellen knows him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kellen Nation. He's a member. <laughs> uh, Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best that uh, we didn't realize or that we won't talk about. Um, go ahead, Weech. I got, I got one. Uh, there's nobody that really stands out for this one, I don't feel, but maybe you got, maybe you got something. Um. Well, actually, the one that really sticks out, because I, I have no idea what the results actually turned out to be, uh, Ben Riddle is considered one of the all-time, like, man, that went terribly. But he does make the main here and finish 20th. So I don't know if that's a career best, but I didn't even know Ben Riddle ever mm-hmm. made 250 Supercross main, so good on you, Ben Riddle. I got a few here. 10th in the LCQ, 125's uh, William Ursick. What? Are you familiar with that guy? He might have been partying with us at the Big Buck. <laughs> so, so Billy knows this is before Billy worked for us. I think it was a couple years later. Uh, yep. Billy ended up working for us at Racer X for a long time. He and Steve Matthews became best buds. Whenever you would come to visit us in Morgantown, you'd stay at Billy's house. Bad Billy's house, yep. 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 Uh, Billy eventually managed the magazine and then decided, I'm moving on. I don't know. He just got burned out. He, he, was, a goggle, he was a goggle guy for one weekend. <laughs> one, one weekend. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He left the goggle guy, came back Monday and said, can I have my job back? <laughs> uh, I mean, he's still around. I still hear from him every I once saw in a while. Him at, yeah, but, I saw him um, at High Point this year. Yeah, I saw him at High Point this year. You saw him? Yeah, yeah. You talked to Bad Billy? Yeah, I talked to Bad Billy. Yep. Wow. I wonder if Bad Billy ever tells people, he's like, yeah, you know that Mathis guy when he was first breaking in, like, he and I were like super buds. We drove to Florida together from Morgantown to Florida. And we stayed. I at, feel like you stayed at his house like we, multiple times. Oh, I times. did. Oh, yeah. No, and I stayed at JT's house. We stayed at JT's house together. You and Bad Billy drove to JT's house in Morgantown. Uh huh. It will never cease to amaze me how a guy was this into it, this inside. He had a pro license. Like Billy was freaking fast. Yeah. The he only was good. dudes he yep. couldn't beat locally was like uh, Stahl and Hepler. That was it. Right. And Nationals, race supercross. So you could see. He went to college and was this fast. Was into it, got a job full time, and then just left. Yep. Well, William Ursick, tenth in the LCQ. Yes. Um, but if I'm going for main event guys, well, not Nick Way was top privateer, beating uh, the only guys that beat him were factory riders. So that was a great night okay. for that Nick Way guy, uh, mm. even though his mechanic was eating a cookie. Uh, ninth, ninth as a privateer is pretty good. Um, I'm shout out to JSR, sixteenth for that. Um, but I will probably go with an underrated rider, uh, in my eyes anyways, my buddy Woodrow, Josh Woods, fourth in the 125 main event, just missed the podium. Woodrow was good. He was, man. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm always surprised at Woodrow's career. Like, the potential was there. I don't even know. I don't even know if he could tell you why he didn't end up winning more races. Yeah, yeah. Like, it seemed like it was right there. Like, oh, by next year, he's going to be one of the guys. Yep, 
Yeah, for sure, right? Like, uh, just to give an example, like, a, like we're say like McAdoo is right now, right? Yeah. Didn't it seem like Woodrow was going to basically be that kind of level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a good point there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know why it didn't work out. Right. I don't know. All right, Woodrow fourth, but uh, William Mercek also. Uh, Jacob Marsak award. Bad Billy. Bad Billy. Uh, and yeah. J- speak and shout out Jacob Marsak, nineteenth in the LCQ. The Jacob Marsak. So <laughs> would have been a home race. Yes, could have been. Jacob Marsak. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, that's been the Lee at Reraceables. Anything else? Pontiac O two. Great race. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to thank Nate Dog for for calling in. We should do another one. Another one time winner. We should do uh, Andrew Short, Seattle. Yes, because you threw it on Twitter that this week we'd be doing a one-time winner, and that was the majority of the guesses, I feel, were yeah. that it was going to be Seattle Shorty. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do that. That gives us some idea. Can we get the memories of one Corey Moser yeah. on the show? <laughs> yeah, we, sh- we should. Yeah, what I, does he remember of this? I, I think the, the Shorty Superfan attending the, <laughs> the only race that Shorty ever won in Forward Super Supercross. Unfortunately, not all there. No, so. <laughs> no, no. I think by the end of the night, he was just found in a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's that's actually. But true. when he came, right. when he came to like four hours later, I just remember seeing Moser finally like recovering from his stupor and just saying, "Weege, he won, <laughs> he won." Um, so hey, you got to imagine. Ah, I wish I'd ask Nate Dog this, especially because Nate Dog comes from such humble roots. Can you imagine all the people that Nate knew through the years? that were proud to see him get this win. Like, yeah. they must have been losing their mind. Yeah. Yeah, you got a good point there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't think – it doesn't really – when Carmichael winning uh, one of his 150 career wins, it doesn't really have the same emotion to it. There must have been so many people like, damn, good for that guy. Holy crap, has he come far. You know you know what this race kind of reminds me of? And another race we need to do, Weege, uh, San Jose, Doug Dubok. This, yeah. this race reminds me of that because Carmichael is Bradshaw. Bradshaw is Carmichael, right? Uh, charging, 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 getting second to a popular rider. Um, for the, for and teammates. And teammates, yes, absolutely. Teammate. Yep. And how cool is it that even Carmichael was pumped for Nate? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, you know, honestly, Nate Nate spans uh, all sorts of riders, all sorts of, like, uh, a place. No, everyone liked Nathan Ramsey. I don't think any, anybody in the pits um, did not, didn't like Nathan Ramsey. He's a good dude. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's all come around. He's now the team manager, like you said, uh, for Rockstar Husky. So you know those relationships and everything. You don't, they don't take those jobs lightly at, at those, at that company especially. So there's a lot of respect there for Nate to have gotten to that level for sure. Well, it's thanks. not just because he raced well. No, they give you team manager jobs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Lee at Reraceables Pontiac O2 Instant Classic. Thanks, Weege. See ya.